Good afternoon and welcome to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors meeting for today, January 9th, 2024, our first meeting of the new year. Happy New Year. Madam Clerk, would you please call the roll? Supervisor Chan. Present. Chan, present. Supervisor Dorsey. Present. Dorsey, present. Supervisor Engardio. Present. Engardio, present. Supervisor Mandelman. Present. Mandelman, present. Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, present. Supervisor Peskin. Present. Peskin, present. Supervisor Preston. Preston, present. Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, present. Supervisor Safai. Safai, present. Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, present. Supervisor Walton. Walton, present. Mr. President, you have quorum. Thank you, Madam Clerk. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors acknowledges we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. Madam Clerk, do we have any communications? Yes, Mr. President. On behalf of the Board of Supervisors, all persons interested in this meeting are welcome to the Board's Legislative Chamber here at City Hall, second floor, room 250. Or you may watch this meeting on SFGov TV's channel 26 or view the live stream at sfgovtv.org. As a reminder to the public, we will not be taking public comment today on item 26, the ceasefire resolution, since it was taken yesterday during the Rules Committee meeting. If you do attempt to speak on this matter, we will be moving on to the next speaker. As an alternative, you can, we are still accepting, um, and you may submit your public comment in writing by email to bos at sfgov.org or via the U.S. Postal Service to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, number one, Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, City Hall, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. We do thank you for your understanding and compliance with our rules on this matter. To make a reasonable accommodation request under ADA or to request language assistance, please contact the clerk's office at least 48 business hours in advance of a meeting by calling 415-554-5184. And today, Mr. President, through a previous arrangement, we are prepared to provide an accommodation to a caller at the appropriate time. Mr. President, that concludes my communication. Thank you. And if we can go to that special order, uh, that special accommodation, please. Can you give that to All right. Mr. Kevin Lamb, I believe he is, will, can put the first, the caller forward. Hi. Yes. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to leave public comment. This is at Disability Activism SF. That is at Disability Activism SF. Um, I have previously requested uh, through writing that the meeting minutes be updated to actually include details which were excluded, including my support for Supervisor Dean Preston, whose name was stricken from the record for reasons I do not understand. Um, the meeting minutes are being made so vague as to being unusable and, and really 
uh, it's really problematic because people are taking time out of their day to come and address this body. And so I really hope that that will be reviewed. And when people make comments, um, that the details will be included, and especially when I made comments in support of our homeless population, our homeless disabled population. And the word homeless did not even, was not even included in the minutes. Um, I also made a, uh, an ADA request to speak yesterday on the issue of a ceasefire in support of Palestine and an end to the genocide there. And my ADA request was denied. And so I politely ask that I please be able to just leave a comment now to speak in support of Palestine and in support of a ceasefire resolution, which is a very basic humanitarian thing that we can do in this city to stop the genocide Pu Public that comment has already there. been taken. I'm pausing your time. Public comment has been taken on this matter. Please redirect your comments. Okay, well, then my comment will be about being denied the ADA accommodation that I requested to leave that comment on yesterday when it, at, the, at the quote appropriate time. Um, when ADA accommodations are denied, I feel like a very small thing that can be done is to accommodate me by letting me say that one minute comment now, but I understand that that is being denied as well. So my comment will just be that please uh, don't discriminate against disabled people. Please allow us to speak on uh, public issues that affect us all. Thank you for your comments. Mr. President. Thank you. Can we have a motion to approve the meeting minutes of November 14th, November 28th, and the uh, regular and November 20th special board meeting minutes. Motion made by Supervisor Walton, seconded by Supervisor Mandelman. On that motion, a roll call, please. On the minutes, Supervisor Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Supervisor Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, aye. Supervisor Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. Supervisor Engardio. Engardio, aye. Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. There are 11 ayes. Okay, that motion is passed. Madam Clerk, could you please read the consent agenda? Yes, items one through six are on consent and considered routine. If a member objects, an item may be removed and considered separately. Would any member like an item or items severed from the consent agenda? Seeing no names on the roster, we will take those same house, same call. Those ordinances are finally passed. Next item, please. Item number seven is an ordinance to amend the planning code to exempt from the limitations on conversion of certain PDR, institutional community, and arts activity uses in the eastern neighborhood plans areas, <coughs> changes of use from one of those uses to another of those uses, or to institutional uses in buildings under 25,000 ground floor square feet to affirm sequel determination and make the appropriate findings. And pursuant to Proposition X, November 16, 2016, this matter requires a two-thirds or eight votes of the membership. Seeing no names on the roster, we will take item number seven, same house, same call. The ordinance is finally passed. Next item, please. Item number eight is a resolution to fix prevailing wage rates for various workers pursuant to Administrative Code Section 6.22E and Sections 21C.1 through 21C.11. Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Next item. Item number nine is a resolution to authorize the mayor and the director of 
the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development to execute an amendment to a grant agreement with Eviction Defense Collaborative Incorporated to increase the amount for a 6.2 million grant agreement, an aggregate grant amount of approximately 11.4 million related to the provision of eviction-related legal assistance through MOHCD's Tenant Right to Counsel program to eligible San Francisco tenants effective upon approval of this resolution with no changes to the term of January 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024. Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Madam Clerk, could you please read items 10 through 19 together? Yes, items 10 through 19 comprise 10 resolutions involving contract agreements with the Office of Contract Administration with various entities for as-needed technology goods and services, each for an amount not to exceed $20 million for a five-year term, ending December 31st, 2028, with no options to extend. Item 10 authorizes a contract agreement with XTech JV. Item 11 authorizes a contract agreement with Presidio Network Solutions Group, LLC. Item 12 authorizes a contract agreement with InterVision Systems, LLC. Item 13 is a contract agreement with Insight Public Sector, Incorporated. Item 14 is a contract agreement with Cornerstone Technology Partners, 2 JV. Item number 15 authorizes a contract agreement with CCT Technologies, doing business as Computer Land of Silicon Valley. Item 16 authorizes a contract agreement with Central Computers Incorporated. Item 17 authorizes a contract agreement with California Creative Solutions, doing business as CCS <coughs> Global Tech. Item 19 authorizes a contract agreement with CDW Government LLC. And item 19 authorizes a contract agreement with Accenture LLP. Seeing no names on the roster, we will take these resolutions, same house, same call. The resolutions are adopted. Next item, please. Item number 20 is an, a resolution to authorize the San Francisco Public Library to accept and expend an approximately $6.3 million grant from the California State Library for direct support for the main library seismic moat and roofing replacement projects for the period starting the date of execution <coughs> of the agreement by both parties until June 30th, 2027. Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Next item. Item number 21 is an ordinance to amend the local findings included by reference in the following ordinances. The 2022 San Francisco Building Code Ordinance number 225-22. The 2022 San Francisco Green Building Code Ordinance number 227-22. The 2022 San Francisco Mechanical Code, Ordinance number 228-22. And the San Francisco Plumbing Code, Ordinance number 230-22. Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Next item, please. Item number 22 is a resolution to determine that the person-to-person, premise-to-premise transfer of a Type 20 off-sale beer and wine liquor license to Suarez and Sinclair LLC to do business as Willow on the Green, located at 1327B 9th Street, and request that the California Department of Alcoholic Beverage and Control impose no further conditions on the issuance of this license. Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Next item, please. Item number 23 is a motion to approve the mayor's nomination for the appointment of Azalina Usope to the Sanitation and Streets Commission, term ending July 1st, 2026. Same house, same call. The motion is approved. Next item. 
Um, would you Maybe like me to go to committee reports? Yes, okay. please. Items 24 through 27 were considered by the Rules Committee at a regular meeting on uh, Monday, January 8th, 2024 at 10 o'clock a.m. Item number 24 was recommended as amended with a new title. It is an ordinance to amend the administrative code to reduce the membership of the Behavioral Health Commission from 17 to 12 seats and making additional changes to the composition of the commission. Seeing no names on the roster, we will take this same house, same call. The ordinance is passed on first reading. Next item, please. Item number 25 was recommended. Um, it is an ordinance approving a modified surveillance technology policy for the city administrator's office's acquisition and use of security camera systems. Same house, same call. The ordinance is passed on first reading. Next item, please. Item 26 is was referred without recommendation. It is a resolution calling for a sustained ceasefire in Gaza, humanitarian aid, release of hostages, and condemning anti-Semitic, anti-Palestinian, and Islam, Islamophobic rhetoric and attacks. Thank you, Madam Clerk. President Peskin. Thank you, Chair Walton. Chair, <clears throat> uh, Mr. President, sorry. I'm sorry. I, ju I just wanted to ask, um, uh, out of order, if we could have a moment of silence. Uh, we did that in the uh, Rules Committee yesterday. I think it's uh, calls for in this moment, given the magnitude of what's happening in the world, if we could start off this uh, before we get into this item, if we could have a moment of silence for all the folks that are suffering in that part of the world, all the loss of life, all the folks that are being held hostage and others. Um, if, we could, if we could start with that, I would really appreciate it and remind people that are in the audience to set the tone, um, to be respectful, and to be thinking about everyone um, that is suffering at this moment. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Safai. We will take that moment of silence now. Thank, Thank you, you, everyone. Supervisor, President Peskin. Thank you, Supervisor Walton. <clears throat> As you can hear, I'm, uh, I don't have COVID, but I'm not healthy. Um, On my microphone. <laughs> truth. Uh, so this afternoon, colleagues, uh, I rise um, saddened that uh, the situation in Gaza and Israel uh, continues unabated uh, after our Board of Supervisors recess that lasted for the last 23 days. Um, this resolution was introduced by Supervisor Preston uh, prior, in early December, prior to our winter recess. Um, in large part because I am sick and I am coughing, I didn't sleep last night because uh, every time I lie down, I start coughing. Um, and I thought about this quite a bit. Um, and I have the luxury of not being on the Rules Committee, so, uh, but was here for public comment. Um, and fundamentally, uh, I had two thoughts. And um, I say this as uh, the son of a mother who was born in Tel Aviv in 1940 and was eight years old. Uh, when Israel became a nation state uh, 
uh, whose sister was uh, involved in the resistance to the British occupation uh, and has uh, hundreds of family members uh, in Israel. Um, and I say this as the son of a Holocaust scholar, uh, my father who taught at San Francisco State for some 40 years um, and who was a specialist on the psychological impacts of the Holocaust on children of survivors of the Holocaust. Uh, and I say this as the brother of a professor at Arizona State University, my brother Victor, who um, has written extensively and is uh, a nationally acknowledged expert on international justice and war crimes tribunals. Um, and I had two thoughts last night in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning. One is, I mean, this situation, even though it's on the other side of the world, as you just heard from me, affects so many of us very personally. Uh, it affects many of my neighbors and community members who have lost uh, relatives and friends in Gaza. Uh, it affects Supervisor Ronan, whose father was raised in Israel, and so many of us. Um, but I was saddened by the fact that here in San Francisco, we have not succeeded, arguably we have failed to use this as an opportunity to bring our people on both sides of this divide together. And I lamented that. I don't know that there's any way to, to successfully do that, uh, given how deep the divisions and the hurt and the horror and the pain are. The other thing I thought about uh, is about the rule of law and about the importance of international justice and about uh, how people need to be held accountable. Some of that was discussed yesterday in the Rules Committee and, and really felt that this resolution would benefit from some notion of, uh, of international justice. Um, this morning, I came to work and met with several of you uh, and heard different things, and as president, wanted to see if we could bring at least the 11 of us together in a single uh, statement. And um, to that end, uh, I am offering amendments that turn this into a one-page resolution. Um, no whereases. Uh, we went down the road of reciprocity. Hamas did this. Israel did that. Um, history that goes back either 75 years or goes back several thousand years. Uh, let's dispense with all of that. How about we have a resolution that just resolves, that resolves that we call for a sustained ceasefire, provision of life-saving humanitarian aid in Gaza, and the release of all hostages? Uh, how about we resolve that we urge the Biden administration and the United States Congress to do the same, to call for a ceasefire, humanitarian aid, and the release of all hostages? Uh, how about we resolve um, that we condemn anti-Semitic, anti-Palestinian, Islamophobic, xenophobic rhetoric and attacks? How about we resolve that this board condemns Hamas atta Hamas's attack on civilians that resulted 
uh, in so much horror and 1,200 deaths on October 7th, and how about we resolve that we condemn the Netanyahu government's attacks resulting in the deaths, deaths of tens of thousands of Palestinian civilians in Gaza, and how about we resolve that the board believes that a just and lasting peace between the Palestinian and Israeli peoples requires new leadership on both sides with a willingness and commitment to negotiate in good faith, and why don't we finally resolve that the San Francisco Board of Supervisors urges the international community to work with the Palestinian and Israeli peoples to find a just and lasting peace to conduct a full investigation of the conduct of all parties in this conflict and hold all parties and individuals who have overseen or engaged in war crimes and international human rights violations, including but not limited to gender-based violence and killing of children, accountable. Um, I think that says it all. Um, I don't think we have to whereas. I think we need to resolve. I want to thank all of the, my colleagues who had input into this, um, and I would like to strike the rest of the language and insert um, the language that is here, I rise to make that amendment um, and hope that a ceasefire in Gaza uh, happens in the days ahead. Second, if, I, if I'm able, Madam Clerk, am I able to second that motion? Yeah. Second. <clears throat> Supervisor Preston. Thank you, uh, President Peskin, for your comments. I I'm really going to keep it short because I spoke extensively both when I introduced this item and also um, in committee. So I, I really wanted to simply um, thank all the people who have come forward. I've never seen anything like it. And, and I think when I've talked to colleagues, I think we've all agreed, whether we've been on the board two years, four years, or eight years, that we've never seen this level of engagement um, and, and passion and so many people coming forward to share their views um, on this. And it's, um, I think it's not just about people coming in and, and speaking. It, it is about people are sharing such intensely personal and emotional experience. And regardless of one's views uh, regarding the political situation and, and, and conflict, um, I think what we saw was just so much raw, raw emotion from people sharing with their elected officials and in public, you know, at a microphone. Um, their their trauma, their fears, their anxieties. Um, and that's, I, I just want to acknowledge that because it's a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, and for people to wait five hours lined up outside this building and through our halls to come in to talk for one minute, five, I mean, just waiting five hours to come talk to us for one minute. Um, I just want to give a shout out to all the folks. Some folks are here today others who have been here. We've gotten tens of thousands of emails um, and um, just so appreciate all, all of that um, uh, commitment to, um, to trying to work for, for peace uh, and save human lives. Um, I also wanna thank um, uh, 
President Peskin for his efforts, uh, as he described, to try to see what common ground would look like here, um, which is no easy. We have, I think, set out to do that from the start with this resolution, and it is not uh, easy terrain uh, to navigate. Um, I, I also want to recognize and, and thank uh, Supervisor Safai um, for, I think, really setting an important tone um, for our discussions in committee um, and, and, and um, both in terms of starting out with the moment of silence as well as making sure that regardless of people's views that there was a respectful and safe space for people uh, to speak here in these chambers. I think it's, it's, it's extremely important and, and I appreciate very much your work uh, on that. Um, Last but not least in the thank yous, um, uh, I really want to acknowledge and thank um, my legislative aide, Melissa Hernandez, who has worked uh, really tirelessly and, and brilliantly on this uh, resolution. So thank you, Melissa. Uh, and uh, I, I really hope that uh, with President Peskin's uh, amendments here that this will earn support that we can all come together on this and send, uh, as uh, President Peskin so articulately stated, uh, just a strong and unified message in support of a ceasefire, in support of humanitarian aid, and in support of the release of all hostages, and in unequivocal condemnation of hate, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, and anti-Palestinian hate. So uh, thank you very much, President Peskin, for your work to uh, build what I hope is consensus uh, around our resolution. Supervisor Ronan. <coughs> thank you, colleagues. And um, I, you know, I want to start out uh, with some thank yous to, um, first and foremost, to you, Supervisor Preston, um, for leading this charge that has not been an easy uh, charge to lead um, and for doing it with so much thoughtfulness, integrity, uh, kindness, uh, and patience to everyone around you. It's been, uh, it's been a, a marvel for me to watch. I, I would have had a much harder time. I was, I was really impressed with you. And the same goes for Melissa Hernandez, who um, I just think the world of. And, uh, you know, there are uh, legislative aides that stand out in these halls. Um, because of the complex work that they do, um, but also the bravery with, with which they stand up and take positions. Um, and uh, Melissa, you have stood out uh, very brightly in, in, in this building, and I wanna thank you so much. Um, I wanna thank everyone who is here today, who has been here, who has come back, who has written letters, um, and like uh, Supervisor Preston said, um, have told their deeply personal stories. Um, this is also deeply personal to me. And so learning about your histories and your families um, has, has uh, been really profound um, and has, has made a, a, a big impact on me that I will never forget. And so I just, I wanna thank you all so, so much. Um, and then I, I really wanna give thanks to President Peskin. Um, uh, you did some work today that was extraordinary and you have a horrible cold and are sick and you fought through it to 
get us to a place where I believe we're going to pass uh, a really meaningful resolution today. Um, and I prepared a few <coughs> marks just because it's impossible for me not to, because this means so much to me. Um, and like President Peskin, I've been thinking about it nonstop uh, since October 7th, particularly. Um, and I'm currently reading uh, a book to my 11-year-old daughter um, by Lois Lowry called Number of Stars. I don't know if any of you have read it. I read it as a tween, um, and we read it every night before she goes to bed. And it's a novel about a 10-year-old Danish girl, Anne-Marie Johansson, who risked her life to help her best friend, Ellen Rosen, escape the Nazis who occupied Denmark in 1940. Anne-Marie and her family help Ellen and her family escape to safety in Sweden. Thousands and thousands of similarly brave and righteous Danes did the same things for other Jews in Denmark, and similarly, a beautiful French family hid my own great-aunt and my cousin in their countryside home throughout World War II, and they saved their lives. Um, and so what Lowry's book teaches young kids about human survival and sacrifice is profound, but most importantly, this book is about bravery. It's about bravery of standing up when something is deeply, deeply wrong. And I by no means want to compare what we are doing here today with this resolution to the bravery of all the resistance fighters who saved Jewish lives during World War II. But I do, however, want to recognize and commend those members of this Board of Supervisors for your bravery in calling for a ceasefire, ceasefire and for taking action on this issue. Because this action that we're going to take today, it's going to play a role in saving lives in a real way. And despite many people claiming that we should have no business at the local level talking about these issues or taking a stand, I believe we're gonna start something here today that's gonna to take off across cities all over the United States. And if enough of us speak out, President Biden will have to listen. And there is no doubt in my mind that without the weapons, money, and backing of the United States, the far-right government in Israel will not be able to continue its ethnic cleansing campaign against the Palestinian people. Sadly, the United States is a major player in this war and can force Israel to act differently if our president wanted to. Our actions today take a stand on this issue and it will help push our government to change its actions. We will be able to look at our grandchildren and tell them what we did during this difficult time and we're gonna be able to do so with pride. That we stood up even when it was hard even when we were threatened with political repercussions, which we all have been. I just have to say that today is one of those days where it feels like San Francisco's still here. We're still San Francisco. 
are still one of the few cities in the country that will take the lead and then start something bigger that will stop violence and injustice against all innocent people and innocent children. And that is what makes the city special. It what makes me feel proud to, to be a San Franciscan and it makes me feel incredibly proud to sit as a representative of this Board of Supervisors. So thank you. Thank you again to each and every one of you. Colleagues, thank you to each and every one of you that will vote in favor of this. We cannot allow thousands of children to be killed every single day in this ongoing war. Thank you. Supervisor Mandelman. Thank you, President Peskin. Um, I want to thank you for trying to do what I think is an impossible task, which is to find consensus uh, on a topic where people's fundamental basic starting assumptions, I think, are so far, very far apart. Um, I also want to thank Supervisor Dorsey for trying in a different way to try to find uh, a consensus on this board. I don't think that there is a resolution that can pass today that can get 11 votes. Um, and as I look at this resolution, there are many parts of it that I strongly support. And I know that if I try to change it to make it a measure that I can support, um, it will uh, lose the support of many of the people who very much want to see this resolution passed. So I will be voting no, and I will be wishing for... No, 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 you guys. Just, just let us do our jobs and, and chill out, Supervisor Mandelman. That's all I got. I'll be voting no and hoping for peace for the Palestinians and the Israelis. Thank you. Supervisor Walton. Thank you, President Peskin. And first, I just want to start off by sending my sincerest condolences to anyone who has lost family and loved ones in the region. Um, my thoughts and my prayers are with all of you. I want to just briefly state that I signed on to a petition uh, asking President Biden to call for a ceasefire uh, in the middle of November. And this is really about wanting all of the deaths to stop. We can't ignore tragedy and other areas across the world while we sit comfortably in our homes, while we sit comfortably in this chamber. And I truly believe that asking to end hatred and all violence in the region is very important. And so I just wanna again reiterate some of the thank yous uh, of my colleagues. I wanna thank the majority of the Board of Supervisors for really working together on this critical issue to come up with something that says we don't want to see any more killing and at the same time is re representative of San Francisco values. I also wanna thank Supervisor Preston for really being willing to work with everyone, for taking feedback, being thoughtful about what to do 
with that feedback and, and really working to institute that feedback into something that would get us towards consensus. But at the end of the day, I 100% know that it is truly the right thing to do to ask for an end to violence in the region. And so I will be 100% in support of this resolution. Thank you. Supervisor Melgar. Thank you, President Peskin. Um, I will support uh, the elegant compromise that you have put forward, uh, which is the things that we can agree on. Um, that being said, um, I uh, want to point out that we do disagree uh, on the whereas's and on uh, the premise of uh, putting forward this re resolution. My office has received thousands of emails on this resolution, as well as hundreds of phone messages, and I myself have had uh, lots of conversations uh, with friends and family, uh, including in my own house. <laughs> um, you know, hundreds of people have showed up today uh, and in uh, days before that, and the testimony has been extremely compelling, both moving and difficult to hear. I have heard the pain and anguish of my constituents who are Palestinian, Israeli, Arab, Jewish, Muslim, Christian, who have all lost loved ones in this war and who live with daily fear here as a result of the animus in the public discourse. I've also heard from female constituents in my district who are in deep pain over the gender dynamics in this war. I'm not a stranger to this conflict. I myself grew up in war. I do have family in Israel. It invokes a profound sense of despair, a desire to see justice and security for all, and a deep yearning for a regional commitment to safeguard civilians. I want an end to all this violence. But we are local government in San Francisco. We don't have the power to control actions of the Israeli Defense Forces or Hamas or the US government. The city of San Francisco does not send money to Israel. We can and must acknowledge the close ties between our community and Palestinians and Israelis and those who profoundly suffer in the Middle East. We must speak up for civilians who are suffering horrific violence and dislocation. And we can call for people of goodwill to stand up against continued violence, continued harm to civilians, and to appeal for a revival of a goal of a regional, multi-ethnic, multinational, multi-denominational peace. That can be the way forward. I have to acknowledge that what happened on October 7th was an outrage. It was orchestrated, long-planned attack, deliberate murder of civilians, women, children, hostage-taking, rape of women. It's still not over. Most of the violence fell upon young people, idealistic people, who are yearning to be part of a solution. These acts were long planned and perpetrated by the power that's still in power, by the party that's still in power in Hamas, Hamas that's still in power in Gaza. At the same time, the Netanyahu government's response, although prompted by an outrageous act of terrorism, has itself been the cause of terrible suffering and injustice. Israel has the right to pursue those responsible for the October 7th attack. It must do so in a manner 
that is protective of innocent people, civilians, innocent women, and children, rules of justice and war, say that even a just counterattack must consider innocent lives on the other side of the line and must be proportionate. As a supervisor for District 7, I represent an area that is home to numerous institutions that are important to both the Palestinian and the Jewish communities of San Francisco. Both communities understand that because of their lived experience that a world with no pathway to peace is terrible and brutal. This resolution, I think, uh, elicited a lot of conversation, a lot of difficult conversation, um, and you know, I, uh, you know, I'm grateful that my colleagues, especially Supervisor Preston and Supervisor Dorsey, put in so much work and effort, and ultimately I'm grateful to President Peskin for coming up with this solution. Finally, I must say that even as we engage with urgent problems uh, such as this, San Francisco is still facing many problems, and we need our relationships and our unity to deal with pain and suffering on our own streets. And while I yearn, like all of you, for peace and healing in the Middle East in a concrete path towards a stable long-term and a cease to the violence, we must also respect, empathize, and show solidarity with the members of our own community in order to come together and solve our own acute problems, our housing crisis, homelessness, epidemic of drug addiction that is killing people on our streets every day. As a city, we must be able to come together and support our own path to healing. Thank you, President. Thank you, Supervisor Melgar. Supervisor Dorsey. <clears throat> Thank you, President Peskin. Um, when this uh, resolution was assigned to the Rules Committee that I chair, um, my initial preference was to oppose the resolution as written, uh, my plan A was to author my own statement and explain that I would, in fact, support a ceasefire in Gaza under certain conditions. Um, after speaking with some of our colleagues over the holidays, um, I was asked to open the hood on the language um, and to seek possible amendments that could get us to something that I don't think there was ever a scenario that would get us to an 11-0, but that might get majority support. Um, I appreciate, you know, wherever people were, I appreciate the work that they did. And I, you know, yesterday at Rules, and I want to reiterate this, I appreciate Pres um, uh, Supervisor Preston and Supervisor Ronan for starting in a place that I think was less divisive than many others. Um, however, I wasn't there in, in support of it. Um, I did work in good conscience on what could get me to something that would be there, even knowing that it might lose some others. I want to share, as I did yesterday, what informed my perspective on the process. Um, for me, there are weighty considerations, but one of them that uh, was particularly haunting was the context for a singularly horrific terrorist attack on October 7th, and what mes message it might send to other terrorist organizations or any non-state actor capable of similar atrocities if we were to, if in effect, reward terrorism by the platforming the grievances that underlie it, even if those grievances are right and just and legitimate, I believe it elevates the urgency of being strong and explicit and clear in our condemnation of the terrorist act itself. To do otherwise, in my view, would send a dangerous and unthinkable message that terrorism works. 
This is not a hypothetical concern. Um, Ghazi Hamed, the Hamas spokesperson who is probably well known to many of us as being the person who went on Lebanese TV to promise that October 7th attacks would happen again and again, said also in a video last month, quote, the Hamas movement is watching the growing calls by several Western governments to end the aggression on Gaza, referring to resolutions like these. And he added, we welcome these developments and consider them in the right direction toward isolation of the fascist Israeli government. <laughs> now, in my view, the, the quantitative comparison of both sides um, of this conflict in the original resolution, in terms of the staggering loss of life and the unprecedented humanitarian displacement, are absolutely appropriate and necessary, and I supported that language. And in fact, I updated it and to, to be big. Right now, the entire population of Gaza has been displaced. That is a humanitarian disaster, and we should condemn it. However, I think it also it elevated the need to be qualitative also. That is why I quoted from a report that the New York Times published on the front page after a two-month investigation, um, which said that the October 7th attack no, 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 no. Des described systematic and was systematic and unprecedented in its cruelty and that it showed a pattern of rape, mutilation, and extreme brutality against women. Hold on, this is... If you guys also, keep it up, this, I'm gonna recess the meeting okay. and there won't be a vote. So just chill out and let everybody speak and then we're gonna vote. It also established that the, and I'm quoting from the New York Times that the attacks against women were not isolated events but part of a broader-based pattern of gender-based violence. What haunts me more than anything about this process, and I'm going to be honest about this, what haunts me as much as anything I have encountered in more than 20 years of working in this building is hearing the orchestrated denialism about what happened on October 7th. That is not worthy of the city of St. Francis, and it is not worthy of this Board of Supervisors. I, I acknowledge that there is enormous pain on both sides of this issue, but I am troubled that the pain of some people is being denied. I can't in good conscience support this resolution. But all that being said, I know that this has been a painful process for many of the people here, whether you disagree or agree with me. I know it has been painful for many of our staffs. I know some of us are losing friendships. This is something that is painful and has put me at odds with people I care about and people I love. But at the end of the day, I have to look myself in the mirror and know that I'm doing the job that I said I would do. So I appreciate everybody's work in this. I think it was in good faith. I don't hold it against anybody, but I can't in good conscience support a resolution that I believe is silence about on something that it needs to be explicit <clears throat> about. Thank you. Supervisor Safai, did I see your name on the... Uh, Supervisor Stephanie. Thank you, President Peskin, and thank you for attempting to bring us all together. I think you said in your opening remarks um, that we've failed to bring both sides together here in San Francisco and based on what I'm hearing and the responses I'm hearing back to some of my colleagues, I can't agree with you more on that. Um, this conflict has weighed heavily on my, I want to say one thing too, every single person on this board is an incredible human being who does not want harm to come to anyone. And I know that to be true of all my colleagues. And though 
some of my colleagues, like Supervisor Mandelman expressed himself, Supervisor Dorsey expressed his, Supervisor Melgar expressed her opinions, are all incredible human beings who do not want harm to come to anyone. I know that to be true. This conflict has weighed heavy on my heart since October 7th, and I've been beyond saddened to see the extreme stress it has brought to so many people I know and love. I've always said that my job here on this board, and you've heard me say it too many times probably, is to bring peace to situations. I've said it several times. I've invoked the St. Francis prayer. It guides me to try to be a channel of peace. Unfortunately, I just feel there's no way today with this resolution, amended or unamended, to not leave someone hurting or feeling misunderstood or unseen by whatever vote is taken or by whatever words are said as evident in this room right now. And for that, I truly am extremely sorrowful. There's not an aspect of the situation that doesn't horrify me on every level, from Hamas's actions to the, what's happening, um, indiscriminate bombing. There's so much about this situation that horrifies me, and I don't believe the resolution can strike the right notes and the right words to serve as an instrument for peace. I just don't. And I also think, you know, Supervisor Preston mentioned how many people came out, and I think it's in incredible to see what this has stirred in people. I know that many people in the Jewish community who didn't come out because of the trauma, and they haven't participated publicly because of the vitriol, and I don't think that can be ignored either. Since Hamas's attack on Israel, anti-Semitic attacks have increased by an astronomical 350% alongside a staggering rise in anti-Arab and Islamophobic rhetoric. I don't believe this resolution will end the violence abroad, but what I do know and what I believe and what I'm witnessing right now is that it has fanned the flames of hatred here at home. What I also want to say, I will be a voice for women today. I, I, will, I will not. What happened on October 7th unleashed a flurry of hatred and an unfathomable number of deaths, not just in Israel and Gaza, but even here at home, when a six-year-old boy, Muslim boy was killed in a stabbing attack and three Palestinian-American students were shot acts fueled by Islamophobic hate that are absolutely unacceptable. I truly believe these people would be alive and unharmed today had Hamas not broken the ceasefire on October 7th. I don't think I'll ever understand why some people think it's not okay to voice this truth. And if that wasn't enough, there have been horrifying reports of Hamas's weaponization of sexual violence against women, which should make any sentient being sick. There is nothing in this world that can justify such acts. We have heard the most horrific testimonies from both survivors and forensic specialists detailing how women and children were raped and how they were sexually violated in a story by the New York Times. Yesterday in committee, Supervisor Dorsey mentioned these attacks on women and members of the public shouted him down and called him a liar, which is really beyond frightening to me and which is obviously happening at this moment in time to me right now. Hundreds of journalists watched uncensored footage of the Hamas massacre 
And I saw, as many of you did, a woman being dragged into a car by Hamas who had blood between her legs soaking through her pants. I am not going to stay silent on these issues, and these horrors cannot be allowed to fade. I will stand up for women and girls every time, no matter what threats may come my way. You cannot call for a ceasefire without calling for the surrender removal of Hamas and the return of all the hostages. I desperately want the violence in Gaza to stop. I want all babies and women and children in both Gaza and Israel to grow up safe, to love, and to be loved. The empathy and anxiety I feel for all those suffering is overwhelming, even those that, even those that don't like what I'm saying. I have such empathy for what you're going through. And I want to believe that a ceasefire is possible. But I don't know how you have a ceasefire with a terrorist organization who has recently said it that would commit October 7th over and over again if it could. They don't adhere to the rules of war based on what I have seen and read, and they are still holding babies, seniors, and women hostage. All those hostages must be released now. I want the Israeli hostages <coughs> to be free and for every Palestinian civilian to be protected. I want peace for both Palestinians and Israelis. I want Palestinian and, and Israeli children to be safe and to live a full life. But I won't stay silent about the threat I believe Hamas poses to the possibility of peace anywhere. And because of that, I cannot vote for a resolution that won't, at a minimum, call for the remo removal of Hamas. Supervisor Chan. Thank you, President Peskin. Uh, I rise to uh, first express my thanks to you and to your leadership for today for bringing us together with this uh, amendment uh, before us today that is really focused on action than anything else. Um, I have said it time and time again, I do not believe that uh, the resolution is and will be perfect. Um, but that um, is clear and evident. It will never be perfect. The dynamics and the issues before us are complex, uh, both in a historical context and what is ahead of us in our future. And so with all that, I would say today I'm focusing on as you're elected, as the San Francisco's elected uh, District 1 supervisor, that I say that I am committed to make sure that San Francisco remain a sanctuary for all people, that we're here, that we're safe, we can speak our mind no matter what our perspectives are, and that we will respect each other around the city, in this chamber, and in this hall, and that I'm committed to keep all our constituents and communities not just feel safe, but are safe uh, in our city. Thank you. Supervisor Safai. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, thank you for your attempt to uh, bring uh, unity to this chamber and, and maybe to this city. Um, I want to thank everyone that has come out uh, over the last two weeks and even when this all happened. Uh, I know that this is particularly emotional for everybody. And and a lot of people said when initially this happened, why would the Board of Supervisors be involved in this conversation in a place in the world thousands of miles away? 
but it doesn't take long to realize very quickly that if you listen even for a moment, you know, one of the things that we heard yesterday in public comment, and, it, and it, it's haunting, 70 members of one family have been killed. Someone stood up and said that. 40 members of one family have been killed. And also, we heard someone stand up and say their immediate family member was taken hostage. And they feared for the return. And they were released. And they have other family members that are still being held hostage. This is impacting San Franciscans directly. This is one of the most gut-wrenching issues. This is the most gut-wrenching issue that I have dealt with on the Board of Supervisors. I have never received more calls, more emails, more text messages, more DMs, more people stopping me on the street, people grabbing me, wherever I am, to tell me how they feel about this moment. I don't think anything has captured our city the way this has captured the city. And part of the reason why I think initially there was resistance from some people, and this is something that I had not known, we have synagogues in this city where it was spray-painted, kill the Jews. That is horrifying in San Francisco. It's horrifying to hear someone that's wearing a hijab say, I was threatened for my life in the city of St. Francis. So what we're attempting to do today, I think, is try to draw a compromise. I know people are going to walk away. Some people are going to walk away not happy because the language wasn't exactly the way they wanted it or things were left out. But I can tell you as the only person on this board that was born in that part of the world, and my life began with gunshots ringing outside every single night, I had my own immediate family members killed by religious fanatics. And I did not see my father the last 15 years of his life because he was not allowed to leave the country that I was born in. The government would not let him leave. The, the Islamic Republic would not let him leave. I did not see my father for the last 15 years of his life. This is deeply, deeply personal to me. And I have thought about nothing else more every single day since October the 7th. And so I know this resolution, some people think it's not going to do anything. It will allow some people in our communities to feel heard and seen for the very first time. Because they feel as though they're not seen in our city. And I hope, I hope this does not raise additional fear and anxiety um, in the community as well, and I know that there are some people that feel that way. So I, I think this is the best we can do. I think we've put a lot of effort and energy into this collectively. I've done everything I could to listen to as many people as I can possibly, but it will have impact. It will set a tone, and it will send a message around the world. And for that reason, I will be supporting this today. Madam Clerk, on the amendments, a roll call, please. On the amendment as proposed by President Peskin, Supervisor Melgar. 
Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Supervisor Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, no. Supervisor Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Su <laughs> Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, no. Supervisor Engardio. Aye. Engardio, aye. Supervisor Mandelman. No. Mandelman, no. Mr. President, we have eight ayes and three noes with Supervisors Stephanie, Dorsey, and Mandelman voting no. All right, the amendments have been adopted on the item as amended. A roll call, please. Uh, On the resolution as amended, Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Supervisor Preston. Preston, aye. Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, no. Supervisor Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan. Chan, aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, no. Supervisor Engardio. Engardio, aye. Supervisor Mandelman. No. Mandelman, no. There are eight ayes and three noes. The resolution is adopted as amended. Next item.
we will reconvene the January 9th Board of Supervisors meeting. Madam Clerk, could you please call the next item? Yes, item number 27 was recommended as amended with a new title. It is a motion appointing Ankita Kumar term ending April 27th, 2025 to the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Roll call. Uh, Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Supervisor Preston. Preston, absent. Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, absent. Supervisor Safai. Safai, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, aye. Supervisor Walton. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. Supervisor Engardio. Engardio, aye. Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. There are nine ayes. The motion is approved. Let's go to roll call for introductions. First up on roll call for introductions is Supervisor Melgar. Submit. Thank you, Supervisor. President Peskin. Um, thank you, Madam Clerk. A uh, couple of important people passed away over the holidays. I would like to adjourn uh, in the memory of two amazing San Franciscans, uh, starting with Mary Etta Moose. Uh, those of you who remember Moose's restaurant uh, will remember Marietta, uh, who presided not only over Moose's for a couple of decades at Washington Square where the old Fagoni's furniture store was, but uh, they migrated from across the square from the Washington Square Bar and Grill. Uh, she was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the daughter of a Sicilian father and a Welsh mother, the granddaughter of a Mississippi riverboat captain. Marietta got her first taste of cooking for the public as a teenage short order cook at the Park Plaza Hotel in St. Louis, where she grew up. She attended Washington University and Harris Teachers College, taught briefly, and then took on a variety of eclectic jobs, ranging from a Baldwin Locomotive Works train router to a radio programmer to later an entertainment renaissance woman. Uh, she managed a theater box office um, and was a production assistant in rented apartments when she showed one in the 1950s. Uh, during the heyday of the St. Louis jazz and nightlife scene to some guy named Ed Moose, uh, who she married and Ed traveled to San Francisco for an alumni event and called Marietta and described San Francisco as a paradise with flowers everywhere. And uh, in 1964, they moved here, got married and got a two flat cottage on Telegraph Hill. Um, and Ed was a social worker. He worked for Catholic Charities and the National Urban Coalition um, and was uh, a North Beach habituate hanging out with Enrico Banducci and uh, who ran the legendary Hungry Eye. Um, and they got immersed in that North Beach scene and with their friend uh, Sam Deitch uh, opened up the Washington Square Bar and Grill in 1973. Uh, and ran that for a quarter of a century before moving across the square. They started uh, the St. Anthony's Moose's Penny Pitch, which uh, exists to this day, even though both of them are gone. And Marietta ran Moose's until 2005 uh, when they sold the place. Um, she was a true neighborhood gem and will be remembered as a beloved example of what makes North Beach in San Francisco one of the best places in the country. Um, secondly, 
uh, together with Supervisor Mandelman, I would like to adjourn today's meeting in the memory of uh, really the mother of historic preservation in San Francisco, uh, Mrs. Gertrude Bland Platt, commonly known as Gigi, uh, who um, at a very young age uh, started the, uh, was the sur survey chairperson um, for uh, the Junior League's architectural survey of San Francisco way back, which led uh, to a book that was published in 1968. This was at the dawn of historic preservation in the United States. Uh, here today, San Francisco's architectural heritage. Um, and uh, her work on that book uh, led then Mayor Jack Shelley to appoint her to the inaugural San Francisco's San Francisco Landmarks Board, which is today the Historic Preservation Commission, on which she served for uh, 13 years, seven as its president, uh, landmarking over 110 buildings and monuments uh, that uh, all exist to this day, including Mission Dolores, Ghirardelli Square, uh, the Rotunda of the City of Paris, um, and many, many more. Uh, and she mentored generations of historic preservation advocates, uh, was seminal in San Francisco heritage, the California Preservation Foundation, uh, and was a practitioner self-trained in her own right. In 1980, she founded G. Bland Platt Associates, a historic architectural consulting service for building owners and developers, helping clients navigate the world of historic preservation. Uh, she got countless uh, awards, uh, raised two children, Peter, uh, and Jeff, as a single mother after her divorce in 1972, uh, she got, in 2005, the Jack Morrison Lifetime Achievement Award from San Francisco Tomorrow, uh, the California Preservation Foundation's President's Award as Preservationist of the Year for Lifetime Achievement, uh, and the list goes on. Uh, but more importantly, uh, Gigi was uh, a friend and inspiration to uh, myself and my wife, um, to Supervisor Mandelman, uh, to Catherine Petron, um, and generations of historic preservation uh, aficionados and advocates. Um, and she really deeply loved San Francisco, its history, its buildings, its quirkiness, um, the network of villages that uh, connect all of us in all walks of life, the stories of the women and men that built San Francisco. Um, uh, and she liked to have a lot of fun. Um, she knew how to throw a good party, uh, loved her rum, which she would sometimes bring with her to uh, events and restaurants, um, and loved her Chesterfield 101s, which might have been her undoing. Um, but what she loved most of all was her family, her sister, soulmate, and fellow cotton top, uh, Simi, her brother Stan, her two sons Peter and Jeffrey, her daughters-in-law, and perhaps most of all, her grandchildren, Mackenzie and Jordy. She was the anchor of her family home life, and I want to extend our deepest condolences to her su surviving family members and San Francisco's historic preservation community. Finally, colleagues, um, a year has gone by. Uh, a few of us will be leaving at the end of this calendar year and are in our last year, and in acknowledgement of that, uh, as well as the sunsetting of uh, the Select Committee on Homelessness uh, uh, and uh, the desires of uh, certain supervisors who 
are facing different commitments. I would like to announce uh, the um, new lineup for committees uh, effective uh, tomorrow. Budget and Finance Committee uh, will be chaired by Supervisor Chan, Vice Chaired by Supervisor Mandelman with member Mirna Melgar. Uh, the Budget and Appropriations Committee will add Supervisors Walton and myself. The Public Safety and Neighborhood Services Committee will be Supervisor Stephanie as Chair, Supervisor Engardio as Vice Chair, and Supervisor Dorsey as Member. The Government Oversight, Audit and Oversight Committee will be Supervisor Preston as Chair, Supervisor Stephanie as Vice Chair, Supervisor Chan as Member. The Land Use Committee will be Supervisor Melgar as Chair, Supervisor Preston as Vice Chair, myself as a member, and the Rules Committee will be chaired by Supervisor Ronan, Vice Chair Supervisor Walton, and member Supervisor Safai. The rest I sh will submit. Next speaker. Next on roll call. Thank you, Mr. President. Supervisor Preston. Uh, thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, uh, colleagues, today I'm uh, introducing a resolution demanding uh, that Safeway reconsider <coughs> and reverse its plans to close the Fillmore's only full-service grocery store, which is scheduled to be shut down in March. Uh, I want to thank Supervisor Walton for his early co-sponsorship uh, of this resolution. Colleagues, last Thursday, Safeway Incorporated announced that the Safeway at 1335 Webster Street uh, would shutter in or around early March, uh, and that the 3.68-acre property would be sold uh, to the real estate developer Align Real Estate. Uh, the announcement of this abrupt closure and sale of this grocery store has been met with uh, outrage, fear, and questions from community members who rely on this store. Um, when I reached out to city departments about this sale, closure, and development plans, uh, they informed us they were completely unaware of uh, the proposal. The Safeway in the Fillmore is not just a grocery store, it has a pharmacy and a bank, um, and the services at this location were a purposeful post-redevelopment response to previous redlining and redevelopment policies that not only displaced residents um, and small businesses from uh, the Fillmore, but also prevented financing for grocery stores and banking services. Uh, the lot where the Safeway currently sits, this was a redevelopment area, a lot where black and Japanese families were forced to move from the area, homes were demolished, businesses were closed, people were displaced, uh, all as part of the uh, infamous and highly damaging urban renewal development, uh, redevelopment policies um, in the Fillmore and Western Edition. Um, one of the uh, defining characteristics of the redevelopment era, as you know, colleagues, was uh, decisions that were forced on communities without their input, facilitated by claims that the communities were blighted, uh, and with promises that redevelopment and real estate speculation uh, would, uh, would somehow, uh, despite displacing thousands, would somehow benefit communities, uh, arguably. And uh, yet here we are on a redevelopment site, Safeway's choosing to close and sell the pro property without holding a single community meeting with Fillmore neighborhood residents regarding closure plans, uh, no meetings or conversations about mitigations, uh, alternative grocery services in the event of closure, um, or, or including uh, a grocery store in any planned uh, development 
at the, at the property. So I've reached out to Safeway and to Align Real Estate to discuss the closure, um, and I remain ready and willing to work with them to chart a path forward that is in partnership with the community. But first things first, uh, the Safeway needs to reverse its decision to close this location in March. That's less than 60 days notice. Um, and I hope that we will have uh, unanimous support from the Board of Supervisors uh, on this resolution, and I hope that will push Safeway and Align uh, to come to the table, work with my office, work with the community, uh, and, uh, and with city leaders and departments uh, to chart a path forward that does not harm the community and, in fact, benefits uh, the community. The rest I submit. Thank you, Supervisor Preston. Supervisor Ronan. Thank you, Supervisor. Supervisor Safai. Oh, oops. Thank you. Uh, first, uh, please add me as a co-sponsor to Supervisor uh, Preston's resolution regarding the Safeway and the Fillmore. Um, such an important institution for that community. Um, and it's, it's really unconscionable that they would do this without really a, a, a long and engaged community process. Um, to leave a hole in that community is, is horrific. And so uh, hopefully we'll get them back to the table to reconsider their uh, decision. Uh, but the second thing, colleagues, that I'm introducing today is an ordinance. Um, if you recall, uh, we had a conversation during question time with the mayor uh, last month regarding the, the Ocean View Library. And I actually thought we were going to have a discussion about timing. Um, but what I heard that day was the mayor's lack of commitment at all to, to building a library um, after extensive community process, after the Department of Public Works put significant time, effort, and, and research, and, and city money into choosing the location at 100 Orizaba, and the SFMTA doing traffic analysis. So there and there has been an, a robust community process with the Lakeview community. And we have reached unanimous consensus that we want a library built at 100 Orizaba. So I was actually, I did not expect the mayor would not commit at all to the project. Um, but it, it is truly, truly unacceptable when there's $35 million sitting in a library account that cannot be used for anything else other than a library in the Lakeview community, which has the smallest neighborhood library in the entire city. And it was promised by Mayor Willie Brown. It was done. We have uh, the timing of this I don't think could be better, but we have Reverend Brown, who's a, a neighbor and resident um, of that district uh, and understands and remembers the history. Mayor Brown promised to build a library. He did it. And then he promised to follow up, that the city would follow up and build a larger uh, community library. So we have plans, colleagues, to go from the smallest neighborhood library to the largest neighborhood library in the entire city, 20, 25,000 square feet. And we have one of the largest populations of young children and families. It wouldn't just serve District 11. It would also serve uh, District uh, 7 and Supervisor Melgar's district. It is literally right on the border. Um, so at this time, I think it's a disservice to the city. It's a disservice, and it's a breaking of a commitment to the Lakeview and all my community. We've spent too much time, efforts, and resources in developing a design, a project assessment report, which has been reviewed by the planning department, traffic studies, and countless community meetings 
that this is the neighborhood's choice. Um, but, the, but Mayor Breed chooses to not commit and support this location. So we are putting forward legislation today that says that this must be uh, the location um, at 100 Orizaba, and it prohibits the city from spending any city funds on any other location um, pending environmental review. Um, and that is something that I wish we weren't at a point that we had to do that, but given the circumstances of waiting for a few years, waiting for actually 23 years after the library was built, uh, this is something that's too important to the community. Um, and at the end of the day, we shouldn't be playing politics with a neighborhood library. We should build a library and we should deliver on a promise that has been given and must be fulfilled uh, for the Lakeview OMI. Uh, so I'm submitting that today, colleagues, and I hope you will support that as it goes through the process. And one last note, I want to thank uh, Chair Chan. We put the money on reserve. There's $35 million sitting on reserve uh, for the library in Lakeville, OMI. I want to appreciate Supervisor Walton uh, for his strong words in, in the budget committee when we had this conversation. Um, and we want the city to fulfill its commitment to build uh, the library in that location. So, and with that, the rest I submit. Thank you, Supervisor. Supervisor Stephanie. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Today I'm introducing a resolution in support of California State Senate Bill 905, legislation authored by State Senator Scott Weiner and introduced last week to bolster the ability for, a prosecu for prosecutors to combat auto burglary. This legislation is crucial for, for sustaining the recent positive trend in reducing citywide thefts by addressing the locked door loophole in prosecuting auto break-ins. Incredibly, during the recent holiday season, the San Francisco Police Department reported a significant decline in auto break-ins and larceny theft, even with increased foot traffic in Union Square. This drop in burglaries coincided with a proactive public campaign by law enforcement allocating additional resources to apprehend and deter property crime. Tools like bait cars and the strategic deployment of plainclothes officers underscore the commitment of the SFPD and the district attorney to apprehending and penalizing those involved in vehicle break-ins. However, current state law requires that prosecutors prove that a vehicle was locked at the time of a break-in for a successful burglary conviction, regardless of whether clear evidence demonstrates forcible entry, such as a broken window. This locked door requirement necessitates victims testify in court about the locked status of the vehicle, creating an unnecessary obstacle undermining prosecutions and allowing perpetrators to escape consequences for violating the law. It's imperative we continue to build on our recent successes and do all that we can locally and at the state level to combat the number of auto thefts occurring all over the city. And I want to thank Senator Weiner for championing this bill for the third time, hopefully third time is the charm, and to the many state legislatures across California for their co-sponsorship. I am also introducing a joint hearing between the Public Safety and Neighborhood Services Committee and the Civic Engagement and Education Committee of the Youth Commission. The frightening news of what occurred on, at George Washington High School campus uh, on George Washington High School's campus on December 8th has myself and our youth deeply concerned about SFUSD's lack of adequate safety precautions, protocols, and procedures in place to protect students from guns, deadly weapons, and violence on our campuses. 
Gun violence prevention advocates, youth leaders, and community members sent SFUSD leadership a letter on December 22, 2023, outlining their demands following this incident. Their letter calls for a, re a review of the incidents at Washington and Galileo High Schools, an evaluation of current school district lockdown procedures, the expeditious repair and or replacement of broken and outdated PA systems across the district, a commitment to a clear and published timeline of implementation, an update of all classroom door locks to interior door lock sets, and for SFUSD to regularly and proactively <coughs> share safe firearm storage information. Along with their letters, students across the district are organizing a district-wide walkout to amplify their voices and ensure their demands resonate throughout the district. Almost six years ago, our students walked out of classrooms all across the Bay Area in response to the Valentine's Day massacre, the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. I remember grieving with them then, and I re remain committed today to ensure that our community never faces that kind of heartbreak and loss. Our students belong in the classrooms and deserve to feel safe while there. It is on us to listen to their concerns and take action accordingly. I look forward to partner partnering with the Civic Engagement and Education Committee to hear from SFUSD and gain insights into their plans moving forward. Finally, I would like to close today's meeting in memory of Dennis James Kern, a cherished member of our community who passed away on December 17th at the age of 74. Dennis was born on October 23, 1949 in Cincinnati, Ohio, and spent his formative years in Aurora, Indiana. He attended St. Mary's School through grade eight in Aurora High School, where he graduated in 1967. Dennis went on to join the Navy through an ROTC scholarship to Miami University of Ohio and graduated in 1971. Following graduation, Denny, as he was known to friends and family, was commissioned in the U.S. Navy and immediately attended flight school in Pensacola, Florida and Corpus Christi, Texas. Upon completion of training, he served as a flight instructor and returned once again to Pensacola to launch his 31-year career as a naval aviator. He flew the P-3 Orion aircraft and served in three P-3 squadrons, VP-9, VP-46, and finally in VP-19, where he was the skipper or commanding officer. All three squadrons were home-based at Moffett Field, California, in, Mo in Mountain View. During these tours, he deployed to Japan, Alaska, and Diego Garcia. In between each of the squadron tours, Den Denny served aboard the USS Enterprise and traveled the entire Western Pacific. Following his VP command tour, VP-19 command tour, Captain Curran served in the Pentagon in Op 06 Naval Strategy and went on to complete his master's degree in international relations at the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University in Boston, Massachusetts. He was selected for major command of the Naval Air Facility in Misawa, Japan in 1993. In 1995, following major command, he served as chief of staff at Naval Forces Japan in Yokosuko, Japan. Captain, Captain Kern's last military post was at the Pentagon as the Chief of Staff to the Honorable Susan Morrissey Livingstone, Undersecretary of the Navy. On September 11, 2001, Captain Kern was the Undersecretary as she was, was with the Undersecretary as she was presenting to guests of the Pentagon. They were in a conference room on the fifth floor where Ms. Livingstone was briefing a group of 30 Navy civilian employees of the Surface Warfare Group of Crane, Indiana. Captain Kern's calm demeanor, professional competence, and exceptional leadership under enormous stress contributed to saving lives of over 30 people on that day. In August of 2005, Denny moved to San Francisco, California. 
From August of 2005 through October 2023, Denny served as the Director of Operations for San Francisco Recreation and Parks. He loved his people and his parks so much that he continued to serve even after his diagnosis. During his tenure at Reckon Park, he was thrilled to be able to serve the people of the city and county of San Francisco. He was very proud of all the hard work that his staff did every day, but especially during the COVID-19 response period. He walked to his office each day during that time and would say that if the gardeners, maintenance, and security folks <coughs> needed to be at work, then so did he. Nothing made him happier than seeing the citizens of the city enjoying their parks, whether on a sports field, at one of the lovely gardens, or just picnicking with their friends and family. In 1975, Denny married Kathy, um, uh, Kathy uh, Leocote Kern, Kate of, her, goes by Kate of Charleston, South Carolina, at All Saints Parish Church in Polly's Island, South Carolina. They would return as often as possible, and it was the last place they visited together before he became too ill to travel. Denny's first and fiercest love was his family. He championed his wife, Kate, in all her endeavors, and he just beamed with pride over the wonderful adults his two children grew up to be. His three grandsons were the light of his later life. He was known to his family as Poppy and gave the brightest smile wherever one of his grandsons called his name. He is survived by his wife of 48 years, Kate, and his two children, daughter-in-law, and, and three grandsons. They are Emily Kern and her son, Lucas, of San Francisco, California, who I have had the pleasure of knowing for a long time. Lucas and my son were in school together, and my son spent many a day at the home of Dennis and Kathy Kern and Emily Kern. Um, also survived by um, um, his son, St. Julian um, Senior and his wife, Brooke Robertson Kern, and their sons, St. Julian Jr. and Anderson of Asheville, North Carolina. As we remember Denny today, let's celebrate the life of a man who lived with passion, dedication, and a deep love for his family and community. On behalf of the Board of Supervisors, I would like to extend my condolences to the Kern family, incredibly special family, and all their friends for losing a beloved member of our city family, a community member, a friend, incredible father, incredible husband, an incredible grandfather. We will miss you, Denny. Thank you for all the love you've given to our parks in San Francisco, for all that you've been to so many people in the community of St. Vitz de Paul and other um, communities. We are just um, going to miss you so dearly. And finally, I wanted to mention that my former boss, um, the former supervisor, um, Mark Farrell, um, former mayor Mark Farrell, lost his mother, Lena Farrell, and on our next meeting, I will be closing um, the meeting in her honor, and I just want to extend my condolences to the Farrell family. His mother was an incredibly bright light in this world. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor. Supervisor Walton. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Colleagues, today I have one in memoriam, and it is with a heavy heart that I give this in memoriam for Gloria M. Lucas Davis a longtime city worker and labor activist with IFPTE Local 21, who has graced our lives with boundless love and unwavering kindness. Gloria was born on August 3rd, 1949 in San Francisco and left an enduring impact on those fortunate enough to know her. She cultivated a deep understanding of compassion and warmth from her parents, Evelyn and Lou Lucas. She quickly became an integral part of San Francisco 
and formed friendships with everyone she came across. She always remained closely connected to the city, earning her bachelor's degree from Holy Names University and her master's degree from the University of San Francisco. As we reflect on Gloria's life, we find comfort in the multitude of precious moments we have collectively shared. She was more than a daughter, mother, grandmother, cousin, and friend. Gloria was the embodiment of love and joy, radiating a light that brightened even the darkest corners of our lives. Her laughter echoed through the years, a melody that lingers in the silence of our grief. Gloria's unmatched dedication to those she cared about was truly remarkable. Whether being the last one on a dance floor or compassionately raising her sons, Patrick, Terrence, and Elliot, an eternal legacy has been created. And even though she had her own sons, she would often refer to me as one of her other sons. Seeing her at weekly events or at community restaurants like Cafe Envy always made my day and she would always make sure that I was doing okay. In honoring Gloria M. Lucas Davis today, let us not mourn a loss, but celebrate a life that touched ours so deeply. May the cherished memories of her love, generosity, and infectious joy be a source of reassurance that she is still with us today, tomorrow, and every day. Because of her service to the city, I am kindly requesting this in memoriam be on behalf of the entire Board of Supervisors. The rest I submit. Thank you, Supervisor. Supervisor Chan. Thank you. Supervisor Dorsey. Submit. Thank you. Supervisor Engardio. Thank you. Supervisor Mandelman. Thank you. Mr. President, that concludes roll call for introductions. All right, roll call for introductions is concluded. We'll go to general public comment. All right, at this time, the Board of Supervisors welcomes your general public comment. During today's public comment, you may speak to item 30 on the Ford Option Without Committee Reference Agenda, approval of the minutes as presented, and general matters that are not on today's agenda but must be within the Board's subject matter jurisdiction. All other agenda content has been reported out by the Board um, by an appropriate committee where the public comment requirement occurred, so public comment will not be taken on those matters. This includes a ceasefire resolution, item 26, which may not be spoken on today. As an alternative, you may submit public comment in writing by email to at bos at sfgob.org or via U.S. Postal Service to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodluck Place, City Hall, Room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. All right, if you are here to speak, please line up now. Um, go ahead. Good afternoon, Board of Supervisors. My name is Chris Werkline, and I have spoken at this meeting over a dozen times and still no action. Today, I'm giving you the tools for San Francisco to be successful. In 1968, there was the Omnibus Control and Safe Streets Act of 1968 that prohibits the unauthorized, non-consensual interception of wire, oral, or electronic communications by government agencies, as well as private parties and established procedures for obtaining warrants to authorize wiretapping by government officials. The U.S. Supreme Court in Carpenter versus United States upheld this legal doctrine. Several in this city and county have placed people to include me on an illegal wiretap and bug. I'm asking this board to assist in removing the illegal wiretaps and bugs on every person 
and this community immediately. Let me be very clear. I do not, they do not have a warrant to do this. Various technologies such as FirstNet, Clarity, One System, eHards, EpiX, RGB Spectrum, meant to be used legally, are being used to divide our city. These systems operate by sending messages through the public utilities, phone, electronics, and electricity, streetlights, etc. Some are even using it in places on, on, to place people as political dissidents, adversaries, or simply because they don't like you. The reason retailers, restaurants are closing and running away from San Francisco is because their IT teams are required to report this conduct to corporate headquarters. And today it was announced that the Committee Assignments for Public Safety was changing board. It is so obvious that you, each and every one of you, are under a wiretap to influence you illegally. The solution is very simple, but taming greed, prejudice, and hatred is the hardest task in the history of mankind. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, motherfuckers. My name is Jordan, pronoun she, they. And my New Year's resolution for 2024 is to continue to go Jersey on your asses when you make bad decisions. One, bring back remote public comment. I have a cold and don't want to get people sick. Plus, we millennial Gen Zers hate collective punishment, as you can see. Number two, Safeway fucking hates black people, whether they be in the Fillmore or in the upper TL who take the 38 to go grocery shopping. These clown bitch assholes at Safeway are basically closing the store to manufacture a crisis and push a right-wing political narrative. Number three, fuck Zionazi Mandelman's charter reform, which would further our bullshit-ass mayor dictatorship. The reason why you all on the board are not effect, able to affect change in a meaningful way is because the mayor holds all the power. I guess some supervisors would rather mayor shit in our mouths than to serve their neighborhoods, and those supervisors who don't care about having more power should fucking resign. Number four, fuck Zionazi Dorsey support for cops. We all know that they talk tough, but we all know that they, they are snorting the coke and jacking off the CP in the evidence locker while brutalizing taking money away from our communities. And finally, fuck Zion Nazi Stephanie is not a pro-gun control hero. She fucking loves gun violence when it's perpetrated by the government towards black and brown people, both domestically and abroad. She supports drugs when her wealthy fucking constituents do blow in their mansions, but us poor people deserve a boot on their necks. What is Santa's loving bootlicker? I yield my time. Fuck you. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, Supervisors. My name is Mauricio Chavez. I'm an organizer for the NorCal Carpenters Union. Work here in Carpenters Local 22. I wanted to come and introduce myself because I've been working here in the city since this past July, but recently passed my probation, so I no longer fear getting fired as much as I once did, and I wanted to come and say, hey, tell you my story. I joined the Army after high school. <clears throat> did my thing for a few years after getting out I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do where I wanted to go so I started working for this uh, non-union contractor who at the time was paying me and keeping me busy uh, I met this girl who had become the best thing since sliced bread for me and she basically said you need to do something with your life or I'm gone he fired me because he couldn't pay me what I needed to start a good family a good life um, so I googled apprenticeships you know didn't know anything about anything Came across Helmets to Hard Hats, uh, signed up. Two weeks later, I was working as a carpenter in the union, making more money than I had ever made in my life. As I proceeded through my apprenticeship and I learned and I met people and I networked, I proceeded to learn things that, looking around this room, I'm like, I could do that. Oh, I've done that. Um, the medical benefits that we fought and earned and, and we deserve 
are bar none, like hands down the best you can find. Um, my son has ADHD. He was struggling in school real bad. We were able to get him squared away with, you know, the benefits and such. Um, we also believe that all working people have a right to a good job with benefits, a living wage that can support a family, security and dignity in the work and retirement, a safe and secure workplace, education and training to reach our full potential through an accredited apprenticeship. However, with rights come responsibilities, being productive, efficient workers, being active citizens and informed voters. And with that, I thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker. Hello and good afternoon. My name is Nina Smallwood and I'm here um, representing Collective Impact. And I'm here to speak about the closing of Safeway. I was deeply um, angered to hear about the sudden closure because it is not only unconscionable, it is cruel, it is mean, it is disheartening to think that we have to come here in 2024 to defend food, um, food justice. It is completely, when you look at the demographic of the people who live around that Safeway, it is a lot of seniors. Where are they supposed to shop? Where are they supposed to go? It is not only a grocery store, it is a pharmacy. It is a bank. And when I heard them reference that, oh, there's a Safeway a mile away on Market Street. Okay, so if you walk up Webster, there's a hill. I mean, it is, it is, it is unfathomable that they mention in the same breath that, oh yeah, there's a Safeway a mile away and a Trader Joe's that's supposed to be built. Don't know when that's gonna happen. And if for the people who are privileged enough to shop at a Trader Joe's also know that it's a very niche market. And I am here to ask that you supervisors please support Dean Preston and unanimously halt this closure of Safeway that's supposed to happen in March. Like, where are they supposed to go? Um, food justice is a thing. Um, so please do your best to stop this. It cannot close without a plan. The community is blindsided. We will not stand for it. So please, please, please do all you can to make sure that the Fillmore does not suffer more harm in 2024. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker. Good afternoon, President Peskin and uh, members of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Uh, my name is Matthew Beeston. I am as well a field representative for the NorCal Carpenters Union uh, here in San Francisco, Local 22. Um, we represent approximately 37,000 members in Northern California. That's enough to fill the Chase Center twice over, just to put it in perspective for you. Uh, about 3,000 of which reside here in the city of San Francisco. Um, the NorCal Carpenters Union is working tirelessly to build up every carpenter in Northern California and uh, not just the members that we already represent. It does not matter uh, what color you are, what race you are, or what pronouns you use. We want to improve the quality of life for all carpenters and uh, hopefully in doing so we can exist as an example for the rest of the industry, the construction industry to follow. Your citizens, our members, current and future, are relying on collaboration between their elected officials and the Northern California Carpenters Union to make labor standards a priority on all construction projects in the future. 
<clears throat> labor standards such as apprenticeship, living wage, health care, and local hire have provided me the ability to um, establish a lifelong career. I was a carpenter for 10 years in the field prior to getting a job as a representative um, and also, of course, become a homeowner within my community, provide health care for my family, and work close to home. Um, without a commitment to labor standards, construction workers are subjected to low pay, often in cash, a lack of medical benefits, and inadequate training, which can result in serious injury or death on the job site. Without a commitment to labor standards, construction workers often struggle to become participants in their community. I implore the council to ensure that all future building happens responsibly so that we can avoid low road contractors in our community. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker. Greetings, Supervisor Daniel Landry for the record. Um, so I'm here to speak in support of Dean Preston resolution to hopefully uh, stop Safeway from leaving the Fillmore Western Edition. Uh, look, the bottom line, I came here before you uh, years back when Malia Korn was president. And at the time, I was pursuing a, a legal uh, issue with Safeway for racial profiling me. And, you know, I talked to the attorney, and one thing that he agreed with me on was that Safeway has never been a good corporate neighbor to the black community and the Japanese community in D5. So we need you, all hands on deck, to send a message to this corporation that if it happened in D5, it had happened in D6, D7, D8, and when will it stop? At the time, we had 16 Safeways here in the city and county of San Francisco. And I know that they was uh, trying to close one in downtown San Jose. This, you know, it will send a ripple effect. My father's 93 years old, and I can remember when, uh, you know, Lucky's was in Safeway. That's how long I've been in Fillmore area. And quite frankly, I don't remember any of these corporations leaving really with a good send-off. It was more so we up out of here, you know, we got you know, big business and opportunity elsewhere. So we need for our supervisors, as well as our mayor, to stand up and make sure that our area does not become a food desert, which literally, I just was watching videos last night. We got a petition on change.org. It'll bring tears to your eyes to see how people are treated when it comes to something as simple as food. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker. Mr. President, members of the board, my name is Amos Brown, senior pastor of the historic Third Baptist Church now for 48 years and president of the San Francisco branch of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. My fellow servants, it was on the 14th of March of 2023 that each of you voted unanimously to support the concept of reparations that was presented by Supervisor Walton. And everybody cheered 
Everybody smile. I submit to you respectfully that what is happening to black community around the closing of Safeway is deja vu. You don't have to go way back in history to the 13th of April, 1858, when blacks left this town because there was not a friendly welcome for us to be here. But we have recent harm right now, right before your eyes, for Safeway to summarily say we are out of here without respecting the black community to be engaged in the decision. That's another wound, and I hope that you will deal with the immediate wound and unanimously today commit to supporting Supervisor Preston's measure to say to Safeway, put the brakes on the car, let everybody get aboard, and make sure that this be a decision that will reveal a dream team working together to give black people their fair share in this town. Thank you very much. Are there any other members of the public who would like to speak during general public comment? If not, public comment is closed. Madam Clerk, would you please read the adoption without committee reference calendar? Yes, item 30 was introduced for adoption without committee reference. A unanimous vote is required for adoption of these, this resolution on first reading today. Alternatively, one member may request the resolution on first reading to go to committee. Seeing no names on the roster, on item 30, roll call, please. On item 30, Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Supervisor Preston. Preston, aye. Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, aye. Supervisor Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan. Chan, aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. Supervisor Engardio. Engardio, aye. Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. There are 11 ayes. The resolution <coughs> is adopted, and Madam Clerk, would you please read the in memoria? Yes. Today's meeting will be adjourned in memory of the following beloved individuals. On behalf of President Peskin, for the late Ms. Gertrude Gigi Platt. On behalf of President Peskin, for the late Ms. Mary Etta Moose. Um, on behalf of President Peskin, for the late Mr. Falcor Short Gullickson, and for the late Mr. Lawrence Larry Carp. And on behalf of Supervisor Stephanie, for the late Mr. Dennis James Kern. And on behalf of Supervisor Walton and the entire Board of Supervisors, for the late Ms. Gloria Lucas Davis. We are adjourned. <laughs>